RadioInfluence.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. How's everybody doing this week? Listen, let's just get right into it. This past weekend, it was Saturday, May the 4th. I hosted my annual Shut the City Down ride, a.k.a. the Great Cheesesteak Run in Philadelphia. Uh, it's I started the ride in 2007. I've talked about it before on this show. Uh, it's been all over social media in this region of the country, particularly in PA, uh, Maryland, New Jersey, Delaware, New York. And I have to say thank you because the turnout, the turnout for this ride that I, 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 the ride started because I wanted to get a cheesesteak with a couple of friends. And what we're talking back in 07 when I started the ride. What it's turned into is a movement uh, and a show of camaraderie and love for the motorcycle community. The the amount of people that showed up on Saturday when it was all said and done, we topped over 2000 riders. And, 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 you know, in perspective, that may not be a lot for some people, but for me, for us, it's an accomplishment that this is not a police escorted ride. It's an assisted ride by the police and powers that be, meaning that I work with the city of Philadelphia. I work with the surrounding counties and townships with the uh, police and traffic departments to make sure that they're okay, that they are okay with the route. But other than that, it's kind of a run with your brung type situation. Um, And obviously what is encouraged is that all Vehicles, all motorcycles are street legal and road worthy. Uh, I, you know, you can only, you know, I can't control everybody, but we promote being a responsible motorcyclist. And that includes making sure that your paperwork is correct, that your bike is correct. Uh, and, and, you know, so with that understanding, to have 2,000 riders leave. <laughs> the suburb of King of Prussia, the King of Prussia Mall, to hop on the highway, to transition into the city of Philadelphia via Main Street in Maniunk, to taking this year, we took Ridge. We took Ridge Avenue to Broad Street. You take Broad Street, we go down past South Street, past Warden. This is around City Hall. We go around City Hall. We pass South Street. We pass Washington Avenue. We make that left turn onto Wharton and we take it on into Passyunk Avenue where we post up. And I tell you, if you, it's a sight, it's a sight to see. It warms my heart. It's one of the biggest headaches that I engage myself with. Uh, I have multiple cardiac arrest moments throughout the day because it's a lot. It's a lot of people and it's a lot of bikes and a lot of different personalities and a lot of just different things. You talk about rolling the dice and hoping for the best. And that's what makes it beautiful. At the end of the day, everybody is there for the right reason. Everybody comes out to that ride because they love motorcycles and they love our community and they look for opportunities to get together to show the strength that we have and the passion that we have and how strong and how, how dope, how amazing our community is. And, you know, I, I, oh man, I take my helmet off to everybody that shows up to every person that's involved with helping me 
put it together. And, you know, it's funny because after 10 plus years, a lot of people still don't know. And that's okay. A lot of people still don't know that there's a crazy amount of work that goes into putting the ride together. A lot of people still don't know that I put it together, which is fine. You know, it's it's hilarious. You know, when I go and introduce myself to people and they're kind of like, who are you? And I'm kind of like, who are you? Why are you here? If you don't know who I am. But that's <laughs> I put that little bit of my ego to the side and they're there because they love motorcycles. And that's good enough for me. Um, thank you. I, I really am in awe. I am in awe. And, you know. There was a little bit of controversy leading up to the ride. I've talked about the ride on the show before, you know, but there was a little bit of controversy leading up to the ride where, um, and I'll just say this, everything is not for everybody, but if you have, there's no need to flex flex negativity on someone else's event especially if you don't have proper knowledge or understanding about how things came to be, or if you don't understand or appreciate that some people do like to ride in large groups. It's not for everybody. People that know me and follow me and and my journey and my adventures know that I'm a track guy as much as I am a street riding guy. I learned how to ride bikes on the street. I, uh, I learned how to ride on the track and I, can appreciate the balance that there is a time and a place for everything. I don't need to rip it at 150 plus 150 plus miles an hour on the highway or through the streets because that's just not smart. But I do know that there's a place for it on the track. So I have learned the balance. Uh, And that's also why I have organizations like into into I usually have some track organization set up in the parking lot while we're at the meet spot for the ride. And so this year into came out as they did last year. And it's just a great opportunity to have that many people as a captive audience while we're waiting for kickstands up. We meet at 12 kickstands are up at three o'clock. So for a couple of hours, you have a captive audience. Make the most of it. I invite track organizations and other vendors. Shout out to Kat, my homegirl Kat Foster uh, from Icon. She's She was there and, and representing Icon and had uh, new helmets and new apparel, new jackets. She was set up showing the new goods, okay? And, and my people from N2, they, you know, they have track bikes on display and information on how to get on to the track. So what I'm, what I'm saying is, in reference to that little bit of controversy that it was out there, before, during, after, whatever. Look, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But I make the most of every situation. And and to anyone who feels as though that there is no place for riding motorcycles on the street or that riding on the street is dangerous and that you need to be on the track and ride only on the track, here's what Black Moses has to say to you. At my next ride, You are cordially invited to come and set up. Just let me know beforehand, okay? You're more than welcome to come and preach the good gospel of riding on track to people who may not have ever been on the track. Please, it's about education. It's about experience. It's about the ride. But there is no room. There is no room in our community in our global community, for any negative energy being put out there, we deal with enough negative energy fighting with the cagers, fighting with (laughs) the people who don't respect us. So let's remember that we are, we are a family. We ride motorcycles. We're a community. Uh, Some people ride on the track. Some people ride on the dirt. Some people ride on the street. Some people ride on the highways, the canyon. Some people commute. Some people are stunners and they only uh, they only ride in parking lots or competitions or whatever. Some people are drag racers. Some people, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're all, it's, it's our culture. It's our culture and our culture has several subcultures to it. But the bottom line is it's ours. So let's continue to support one another, build each other up, 
and, and, and make the most of what we have. If you have an issue with street riding events and because you're a track rider, please hit me up. Let's talk. Let's not be a part of the problem. Let's solve the problem. Let's be part of the solution. You are welcome. Just let me know if you want to do it at my next street event. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm doing a track event. Y'all don't even know about that. Black Moses is, if, if Black Moses can shut the city down, imagine what would happen when Black Moses shuts the track down. A mm. little bit of forewarning there. When Black Moses shuts the track down, you're damn right we fit to have a shut the track down event. You're damn right it's going to be, what would that be? That would be S. Ting, ting, ding. Shut the track down. Damn right we fit to have a shut the track down event. If I can get 2,000 riders to show up to go eat some cheesesteaks in Philadelphia for a street ride, you know what I'm fitting to do when we get to the track. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to all the riders that showed up. I want to say thank you to the city of Philadelphia. Thank you to the Upper Marion Police Department, to the Pennsylvania State Police Department, uh, Philadelphia Traffic. Thank you. Appreciate you all. Giselle Jones from the City Events Management Office. Uh, thank you uh, for always supporting the movement and always looking out for the cookout, as they say. Uh, I have to give a special thank you to my personal sponsors, who keep me safe and keep me rolling. Icon Motorsports, thank you. I love you guys. Thank you so much for always rocking with your boy and keeping me laced up and looking really good. Uh, your boy, Black Moses, appreciate you. Uh, shout out to and thank you to my sponsor, D3O. D3O, y'all keep me safe. I dig it. All armor is not protected. It's not, all armor is not created equal. But your boy, Black Moses, is protected by D3O. You should be too. Uh, and Ducati, Ducati, North America. Uh, you guys keep me, you guys keep me rolling and looking good. You know what I mean? Your boy Black Moses, he, he appreciates you. Thank you so much. Um, with that being said, with that being said, thank you all for tuning in and checking out Life in the Fast Lane. Welcome to Life in the Fast Lane. Let's ride. My guest this week is a driven and passionate manufacturer of goods that are designed to address the needs of her fellow lady motorcyclists. Her, her, uh, her goods have appeared on, there's a show on ABC called The Good Doctor. And one of the characters on the show is a female rider. And her, and her bag of choice, her backpack of choice happens to be one of the products that my guest makes. I would like you all, please, to welcome to Life in the Fast Lane, CEO and founder of Moto Chic Gear, Deborah Chen. Hello, Alan. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good, I'm doing great, great. Doing fantastic. You know, you're only one of the few people that actually call me by my government name. You know, most people. <laughs> I, I didn't know, you know, like if what you, you prefer, but, you know, it's like you have a lot of names. There's a lot of options. Well, you know, it, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much, you know, you're actually right. You're actually right. You know, even recently, uh, my alter ego of Black Moses now has an alter ego of Moses Black. And even <laughs> more recently, my alter ego of Moses Black has just taken on two new alter egos. There's Tactical Black, and then there is Nuclear Black. And that was gifted to me by my brother Arun from Portland. So, Arun, thank you. I am active. Arun's listening. I know that uh, I want him to be aware that Nuclear Black is being put into rotation. So, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Nice. How are you? This is not about Black Moses. This is not about me. This is about <laughs> you, Deborah. And Deborah, tell the listeners of Life in the Fast Lane. Tell I want. We're going to get into a couple of things. We're going to get into a couple of things about Moto Chick gear. And is it Moto Chick or is it Moto Chic? 
Um, well, actually, uh, it's it's uh, like potato potato because it, it could be motor chick, but then it's also motor chic. So, you know, either way works. Okay, so it's whatever's clever. I can dig it. So we're going to get into uh, a little bit about. I like I like moto chic. So I'm going I'm going to go with you know moto chic. Um, uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to get into you and your history a little bit. And then, and of course, throughout the whole thing, we're going to have some fun. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. What's your history with motorcycles? Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, I am a late bloomer in all things, but I am blooming. And so I started riding pillion, um, with my boyfriend, um, back about five years ago. And I, uh, didn't even learn to drive a car until I was 26 because I grew up in New York city. And, and that's, so no, that's no excuse, but okay. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> you know I'm East Coast born now. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know. I, I was in Philly for four years too, but like we didn't need a car. We didn't have a car. We couldn't afford a car. Um, and so um, I started riding pillion and then my first bike was Yamaha um, because it hurt less when I fell. Okay. And <laughs> I took an amazing um, moto camp for girls. Um, Shalina Vareda runs. Um, she's moto camp. Oh, no and- doubt. Shalina is the homie. That's the home girl. She is good peoples. Right. And it was it was just the most amazing experience, you know, and it was really pivotal in terms of bonding with all these women and, you know, having an amazing time. So definitely, you know, started out with a dirt bike and um, then um, started, try, you know, trying on my own and um, got an Aprilia Sport City 250 so I didn't have to shift. And um, now I have a Piaggio MP3 400, which okay. is uh, fun. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now you're you were originally you're not originally from New York, correct? Where are you from originally? I am. I grew up really? in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Shut yeah. up, BX all day. I did not know this. Yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. This me. is. I, listen, let me tell you something. This is going to be so much more interesting now. Okay. Not that I knew it was going to be, but you are. I did not know you were from the BX. Oh yeah, born and bred. So that's okay. um, I've been out in California, you know. The, uh, but I'm I'm a New York girl. Okay, that makes a little bit of sense because your business savvy is you know you can your business savvy you're persistent and and what I find <laughs> is that most East Coast people because I'm the same way most people from the East mm. Coast we have a tendency to be tenacious. <laughs> At the very, oh, yeah. you know, and most people from the West Coast, they their business demeanor is a little bit more chill, not worse or different. There's just a different approach. West Coast people, I find, have a tendency, you know, they're just if it happens, it happens. It's cool. I'm here. You're there. You know, we'll make it happen. <laughs> if, if it goes down, it goes down. It's all good. East Coast people, we're like knocking on your door. Hey, hey, sending emails. Hey, did you get that email? Send it. Yo, did you? We will send it. We will send an email, then send a text, and leave a voicemail. And the text will say, "Hey, I just sent you an email. Did you get it yet?" The voicemail will say, "Hey, just sent you a text about an email that I just sent you. Did you get them?" So that's <laughs> that's for real. Yeah, that's real life. That's real life. So, Deborah. So you're you're in California now. What part of Cali do you reside? I'm in Northern California in the Bay Area. Okay, okay. Tell MC Hammer I said, hey. Um, most people won't get the MC Hammer reference, right? Oakland. Oh yeah. Area, you know, you know, for the for the for the non old school hip hop people, that's you know. And we're going to get into your musical taste too. You you've listened to the show, so you know what happens at the end, right? Oh, I've heard tell. Okay. We'll we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there when we get there. Um, So you're in the Bay Area. And how do you find that life different from East Coast living? And when I mean that, I'm talking about both riding aspect, the motorcycle scene, and, you know, and just in the business world as well. Yeah. Um, Well, I remember when I first came out here, 
first of all, you know, I was looking for, you know, stuff to eat, you know, after 10 o'clock at night and everything shuts down much earlier. And it's funny because they were telling me, oh, it's just you and those drug crazed kids who are looking for food. And I was like, no, no, like this is what we do. You know, like we can get, you know, anything, anytime, you know, pretty much we want on the East coast. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I've tried, I've tried to mellow a little bit, um, you know, trying to shift my, you know, patterns. Um, it's so New York, I mean, there's no place not like the East coast, you know, and that's where my heart is. Um, but you know, being out here, it is, uh, there is a little bit more, um, outdoor vibe, more laid back vibe. Um, and you know, being the Bay area, it's heavily influenced by technology. So, um, I, you know, the riding season's obviously longer here. Um, so we, we are blessed with that. Um, but I, I kind of feel like the East coast, the communities are tighter mm. and, you know, maybe that's just my bias, but it's, uh, that's an interesting point of view. And do you feel that way for any, for just from your observation? Um, yeah, just, I, I think observation also, you know, living it because, um, you know, people, they, they say, oh, people in New York are so aggressive. You guys are so, you know, direct. Um, but at the same time, it's it's really bonding, you know. Um, people say what they mean and mean what they say. And then, on, so, you know, sometimes, and it's a stereotype, but on the West Coast, people are friendly. They're nice. But, you know, you're all in your car. You're doing your thing. You know, people kind of, you know, get, you know, separated as opposed to like, you're riding the subway, you you know, it's a great equalizer. You right. know, you're looking people in the face. So. Yeah, I guess you could almost say that. And just from my experience, and I'm agreeing with you, my experience on the West Coast is that, you know, there are a lot of islands. Like if you think mm, of the individual mm-hmm. spirit as an island, but on the East Coast, I often feel that there's a lot of people on an island. There's multiple islands, but there's you'll find more people on that island. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And when I first came to California, I actually lived in Southern Cal. And so like even, you know, going in L.A., like if you're going east side, west side, whatever, you know, it's it's a big trip, you know. So it's um, I think part of the geographic divide, but that also has, you know, led into the culture. I can dig it. I can dig it now. Now, let's get into you talked about the business and, and, and the riding and, and, your, and a little bit in your East Coast background, BX all day. Let's talk about the spark that would become Moto Chic. And before we really get into it, I want to let you know what I appreciate about you and not just your tenacity and not just your persistence, but I want to, it's a very difficult space to break into, to uh, make headway, to make any type of ripple, any type of ripple in our massive global motorcycle industry, particularly in the scope of apparel, uh, accessories, gear. I mean, it's, you're going up against several massive monsters. Okay, monsters of companies that have funding and backing and dollars upon dollars. So, to I appreciate one the courage, the courage, and two just the just the mere fact that you're doing it, you're doing it, and you're making ripples, if not waves. You know, you you you've got a lot of things to be proud of. So, I want you to know that before we jump into it and go any further. As a business person, as a writer, as an enthusiast, as a as a watcher of things that occur in the industry, I am giving you a golf clap right now. I am applauding. <laughs> you might wait. Let me see if I can get you to hear just a little bit. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> you, you're so kind, and that really makes me smile. I mean, it makes my heart smile, really. Well, well you know, you deserve it. You deserve it. So I want you give me... Give me some information about how did you spark this concept that became Moto Chic? Yeah, um, never intended to do this. Um, don't have any background as a designer in manufacturing. Um, it was just something that, you know, you uh, come to you because it's what you want and need. So, you know, the basis of it was, you know, uh, I went 
on a weekend trip um, with my boyfriend, now husband, and we went two up. And so we could only carry one bag. And so he gave me his backpack and, you know, we rode, it was about two hour ride, you know, it was ill-fitting, you know, we got there and got off the bike. It didn't look good, you know, and I thought there's got to be something better out there. Um, and so I went shopping and I found this sea of like black ballistic nylon, manly bags, um, and the stuff that was available for women, it was all kind of pink it and shrink it, you know, make Mm. it small, put some pink on it and call it good. Um, so I sat back and I thought, well, how hard would it be to do something and are there other women who feel the way that I do? Mm. So that was kind of the genesis of it. Um, and I had no idea what I was getting into. So, (laughs) (laughs) What do they say? Uh, what is that saying? Necessity breeds is the mother of all invention. Yeah, it was a mother. All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) and so, and that, and so that, that ride, if you had to go back and say, okay, that was the tipping point. Is Was it that ride that kind of was, you know, as you said, the genesis was the beginning? Yeah, it definitely was the beginning. And it, it kept bugging me because, you know, I, you know, women are so multifaceted. You know, we do so many things in the course of a day and we want to have our things. We want to look good. So I would go to work or, you know, I would, you know, go shopping or, you know, you want to jump on the bike or sometimes, you, you know, you're not taking a bike. But, you know, I wanted something that would go throughout my day and night and, you know, would look good, feel good, you know, make me feel confident and um, and so I just thought, why isn't there one bag that would just do this for me? And and so that kind of just kept nagging at me. And then I ended up doing um, a survey among women riders and um, found that there was a lot of support for this concept of the combination of fashion and function. So that gave me a little bit more confidence to kind of move forward. Um, and then I uh, tested five different designs, which, uh, eventually became the Lauren bag. And, um, one of them in particular struck a chord with people because they said there was nothing really like it and they'd be really interested in buying it. So that gave me a little bit more courage. And so, you know, I had a sample made and, um, and then of course, like you said, you mentioned the money part of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I went on to Kickstarter and I, um, peddled my little heart out and, <laughs> you know, I was, you know, the, the most stressful 30 days of my life, you know, to, because it's a all or nothing proposition on Kickstarter. So you, you raise all the money or you lose. So, you know, it was, it was Christmas Eve. Uh, December, um, in December where I finally closed my funding and that's how I kind of got started in the manufacturing part of it. Now Christmas Eve of what year? Was that 2014? 20 yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. 2014. 2014. Mm-hmm. So we're still dealing with a, I'm going to, you know, uh, lack of a better word, a, a young company. This is something that we're still at the very beginning of yes. the journey, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would absolutely say we are still, I'm still very much in startup mode. But if you look at your website, what's the website for those listening? What is it? It's Moto Chic Gear. So that's like M-O-T-O-C-H-I-C. And there's a similar website that takes you to some naughty bits. So, Oh, boy. Yeah. M-O- Let's stay clear. M-O-T- Let's stay clear of that. Motoshikgear.com, Moto yeah. Gear. You know I'm going to be Googling that afterwards, right? I'm like, what, is, what was she talking about? Anyway. Yeah, you want to find the naughty good side. I know. That's okay. Okay. All right. Back on topic. So, the, so now, so but looking at your website, I mean, your catalog of items is pretty, I mean, it's pretty extensive considering, you know, for the the number of items that you're of products that you are now offering the riding mm. community. But I think that there's such great crossover appeal. And I hope you don't mind that crossover word. No, because that is, of course, we need to talk about the lay, the, the needs of female riders. And, you know, I think you made some very valid points and it could start with something as simple as a backpack that, 
a, a woman who rides can it can carry her cargo, but when she gets to where she's going, she doesn't want to look like she just finished hiking uh, in the valley. You know what I mean? Like it's so. Therefore, the chicness comes in. Um, what what happened after the Kickstarter program? What happened? Yeah. So um, what you allude to in terms of the growing of the catalog, it, you know, I, it's a lot of incrementalism. So um, when I did the Kickstarter, I just did one color. I did one bag, one color um, because, you know, black was, you know, it um, goes black with everything. Is it. Thank you. Black right. Yeah, That's no, right. Everybody know out there. All right. Let me know. Go ahead. And um, so after I, I did that and I got some, you know, really good reception. And so I fine tuned the designs. I went to different meetups. You know, I got feedback from women and testing it, using it, riding with it. Um, and then um, I started, you know, people started asking for a little more colors. So I ventured into the black and the and the white. Um, but it was also very like a cost conscious, you know, decision in terms of the design, because, you know, not to get into the weeds, but, you know, every time you change something, you have to buy minimum order quantities. And so, um, with the design that I have, you can actually change out the panel, the leather color, and you can still get economies of scale on the other materials. So, you know, using the black finishes on everything else, um, and keeping them reflective, the same color that, you know, really, Really, um, gave me some leeway to just you know play with the the paneling. So um, I came out with the red leather and uh, the white leather, and then I got some feedback from customers. Some customers wanted a, a lighter weight bag. Um, some customers were talking about um, eco friendly or veganism. So um, I came out with the Lawrence Sport bag, which is about a pound lighter and um, it has an interior light. And that was also an idea from a customer. Um, you know, we can't see inside our bag at night. Mm. So, you know, that adding the um, light to that. Um, some people commented on they wanted to be able to hold it when it was in the backpack mode. So the Lawrence Sport has a um, handle built into the harness. So it was a lot of incrementalism and, you know, taking feedback from customers and seeing what worked and what didn't work that, you know, be, began to expand beyond the core design. I have a question. Mm. Who is Lauren? Oh my gosh! Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, before, wait, before we, sorry, wait, before we attack that question, let's give a rundown of the products that you have that that are available from Mochi. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we'll get into who is Lauren. But give, give me give me the rundown. What do we have? Right on. So um, the Lauren convertible bag is the OG and comes, you know, in in three leather colors and there's um, four uh, Lauren sport colors. And then um, you have the Valerie Essentials bag, which is a smaller bag. Um, You can use it with the Lauren or on its own. You can wear it five different ways between the two straps. There's a best sling bag. Um, and then you have, um, we, I introduced some performance clothing. So everything's about fashion and function. So um, I partnered with um, Aliki Karayan to do the cooling base layers, which are amazing. Um, keep you really cool, keep you dry, wick sweat, have SPF protection. Um, there's compression socks for men and women with little motorcycles on them and uh they they leave some indent in your in your legs so you can actually brand yourself when you take them off um you know what the funny thing is i uh i have a pair of socks and i wear them on track days and at press launches and i have to tell you I have to tell you, they are great. They are That's great. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Facts. Big facts. Cosign. I love it. Um, and then I introduced the Moto Angels collection, which is kind of a mix and match tops, and they're um, treated with antimicrobial, so they kill 99.9% of bacteria so you don't stink. And they also have some fun iridium based glow ink on them, so you know, you get some. Um, pop in the dark. 
Uh, and then the last category is really accessories, so small goods. So there's uh, keychains that have phone charging cords. There's lanyards so you can, you know, ride um, and have your phone handy. Um, and then I have a little bit of a a little pre-announcement of a sneak okay. peek. I'm, I'm thinking about uh you know, introducing some. Is this breaking uh, news? Is this breaking news on life in the fast lane? Breaking news. Breaking only for news. You. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so I met up with this really um, cool guy who was actually a Kickstarter um, contributor. So we've become really great friends and he's a writer and he's also an artisan. So we are collaborating on a collection of um, small leather goods. So stay tuned on that. Well, well I'm excited about that. Can you give the gentleman's name? Can you give us anything more? Is it just all just more of a sneak peek? Breaking news. Yep. Well, his name is Sean and he is. What up, Sean? Sean is is a renaissance man. So he's like a writer, a gentleman. He um, is a veteran. He's just, you know, anything. And he's smart as all get out. Like, I, you know, can ask him anything. And he's great to like bounce ideas off of and. And so he's he's just amazing. Like he's come out to help me and support me at different events, all on his own um, initiative. And and I couldn't be more grateful for meeting people like him throughout this journey. Wonderful. Now, who is Lauren? <laughs> well, um, Lauren is uh, named after Lauren Hutton, and um, oh wow! Do you? I don't know if you remember her, but yeah, Do she's. Don't sell Black Moses short, okay? <laughs> well, well, I'm well-versed <laughs> in the fashion industry. I have friends that are professional models, that are high-end models. All right. Have, come on, now. Anybody, look, anybody checks my Instagram knows who <laughs> is in my network and how I get down with the get-down. So don't, I know who Lauren Hutton is, and I'm glad she never got a teeth fixed. I'm glad she never got a teeth fixed. Right on. Okay? Right. All right, for anybody checking, okay? I'm happy that she kept the way, kept her smile the way God gave it to her. Now, go ahead. Talking about, I don't know who Lauren Hutton is. I know who Lauren Hutton is. Go ahead. You, yeah. I mean, so for <laughs> real, because, you know, she is 75 years young. You know, she was, uh, she's unconventional. She's independent. She, you know, of course she was known as a model and actress, but she was also a motorcycle rider. So she um, was the first vice president of the Guggenheim Motorcycle Club. She rode with Dennis Hopper, Steve McQueen. Um, and she also, you know, she recovered from a massive motorcycle accident where she broke both her arms and legs. And um, she still rode after that. And so she is my muse for, you know, somebody who's beautiful, practical. She stands the test of time. She's still modeling um, for big brands. And um, so she's kind of like, you know, my inspiration. Um, and I thought, well, you know, she's versatile. She is long lasting. She's beautiful. And that's my Lauren bag. That is great. That is a great, great inspiration. And how many do you, am I, I know I'm not the first to ask, but how many people actually ask you who Lauren is? Is that, have you been asked that before? You know, not that many, actually. I would say I can count them on one hand. So leave it to you to dig yeah. deep and, you know, find Inquiring out what's minds. going on. Inquiring yeah. minds. You know, that's what, you know, look, look, Black Moses' life in the fast lane. You know, we go deep for the story here. You know, we dig deep. We don't just take things at surface and face value. We go deep. Um, <laughs> right on. So the Lauren bag, and that, would you, that's the flagship. I mm-hmm. correct. Do you feel as though, I want to talk to you about the struggles, and we don't have to get into it, into it, but there's got to be a massive amount of struggles between, just in the process of getting a bag, an item, any product from concept Mm -hmm. to execution to manufacturing, and then getting it out there in the sea of all the big the big guys and girls out there that have the big money behind them. Yeah. What, how's that process been for you? Oh, the struggle is real. Mm. Um, you know, and it, it's funny because, you know, every, every day I learn something and, you know, it's just something that I've never done before, but I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, I've, I've 
found wonderful people to help along the way. But it is um, it is a significant um, uphill, I would say, uphill in the right direction, hopefully, um, battle because um, the whole thing about, you know, production, even finding, you know, um, somebody who will take on a new brand, who will produce in not massive quantities, um, you know, it was a real challenge. And then, you know, manufacturing, you know, just dealing with, um, you know, how to speak the language so that you are communicating correctly. And, you know, you're not talking about, you know, creating a lion and you come out with a teddy bear Mm. um, is, you know, huge because, you know, a lot of times, like, I knew what was wrong. I like how you said that. (laughs) Creating a lion but coming out with a teddy bear. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's like... Little things like like the thread, uh, you know, I had to struggle with um, the factory because they said, hey, you know, this is I, you want this thread that you spec and we have a luxury bag that uses this thread and it's good enough for them. So it should be good enough for you. And um, I kept having explained to them. This is for motorcycle riders. It needs to be durable. It needs mm-hmm. to be tough. And, uh, you know, they you know, didn't really want to hear any of that. So then it came down to like literally taking the thread, standing up and snapping it. And then they stood there and cause you know, they, they tried to snap the other thread and then it was like, okay, we don't need to say anything else about that point. Right. But yeah. So, uh, you know, just those little details as you say, and, um, and then, you know, trying to, get to market and, you know, trying to understand, um, how that works, um, and trying to, you know, break in because a lot of, you know, frankly, you go to a lot of dealers and, and they would say, Oh, um, no, uh, we don't get a lot of women customers or we don't really want to know what they want. And it's sort of like this catch 22, like, well, maybe you don't have a lot of customers because you're not offering things that appeal to us. Exactly. Maybe, maybe if you had it, you would. Yeah, if you build it, they would come. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, all the all the way kind of down the line from, you know, making it to, you know, uh, marketing it to getting it out there. And, uh, you know, it's it's all uh, a journey and a learning curve. And it's, you know, sometimes incredibly frustrating, but, you know, ultimately, you know, pretty satisfying and fun to seeing something out in the world. Would it would I be wrong to think that ultimately part of the mission, part of the journey is to land a distributor, someone like Parts Unlimited to, uh, you know, take the bag on or maybe partner with some with, a, you know, with a company like Revzilla. Is that something is that in the in the mission? Yeah, um, absolutely. I'd like to put that out in the universe. So anybody You're welcome. Listening? See what I just did for you? You're welcome. That's what I do. Yeah. You're welcome. I, I love it, you know, <laughs> um, because, you know, I've been bootstrapping it up till now. And so it's, um, you know, there's a limitation, I think, uh, where, you know, where you can get on your own. But I'm stubborn and, you know, I've wanted to keep it on my own um, to, you know, focus on the quality and, you know, make sure that I'm heading in the right direction. So, you know, we've gotten to the point where, you know, great feedback from, you know, customers and, um, you know, I, I think a proud moment when I saw my bag on the good doctor, that, mm. that was like blew, blew my mind. So, you know, it's up till now, just focusing on, you know, getting the product right, getting the quality right, getting it out there in a few boutique locations, but, you know, scaling would, you know, definitely be a nice next step. And the good doctor, does it have a reoccurring role? Is it, you know, is it, is it part, is it, is it an accessory of one of the main characters? Are they using it often? Yeah. So, Are you serious? Um, I was kidding. It does. It does have <laughs> a great. recurring role. I've made some cameos. Um, but uh, it was it was funny because I got an email one day from um, the um, the show uh, cast. It wasn't the casting agent. It, it was actually the props department. So uh, you know, I had this email saying, you know, have you heard of the Good Doctor? You know, we want to source the bag for one of the characters on our shows. And I thought it was a joke. Mm. So I was like, okay, yeah, right. Um, 
But then I called and they said, yes, um, Christina Chang, who plays a trauma surgeon on the show, she's just been made a regular cast member on the second season. And she is a motorcycle riding doctor. And so they, they gave her all these other bags to use. And she said, I don't want this. This is not what my character would use or ride. And um, she found the bag on Pinterest and, you know, told us to go get it for her. So, um, yeah, she, and she's been amazing and wonderful. And I love the strength of her character and that show about the messages it sends, because if you haven't seen it, it's actually, um, about a doctor who has autism and it's, um, set in San Jose. So that's kind of cool, even though it's filmed in Vancouver, um, but, you know, it's it's all about inclusion and diversity and, you know, what you can accomplish. And so it's it's a really cool show. Um, so shout out to, to ABC. And um, she told me that it's her go-to bag whenever she leaves a hospital. So in any scene where she's leaving the hospital, um, she said that is that's going to be her, her main bag. So um, watch out for it now. It's been on five different episodes. Um, the show comes back in September um, for the next season. That is great. That is great. What, what, congratulations. Congratulations you. <laughs> on your success thus far, because there is, particularly with that East Coast tenacity, you're not done. You're not done by a long shot. Um, what's next? Like, what's, we, we touched on it slightly, obviously getting to maybe, you know, distributor, but what, do, and you kind of gave us a sneak peek, breaking news. What's yeah. coming down the line? Yeah. So, um, I want to keep listening to the community to see what women want and need. And so that kind of inspires me and drives me, uh, in, you know, next directions. I mean, you know, we've all seen the studies where, you know, women are 20% of all owners now, and, um, it's one in four among the millennial generation. So to kind of keep listening and, and seeing where that takes Moto Chic, um, but, you know, as you say, um, looking, maybe looking to raise some angel funds, looking to get into distribution, um, potentially talking about, you know, some licensing opportunities. So, um, you know, just kind of um, partnering with, uh, you know, other people and continuing to support the community. So that's that's kind of, you know, where my head's at. I like it. I like it. Do you do you have any advice? For because you're fighting the good fight and you're you're in the in the struggle of it, but it's all such a good fight and such a good struggle to be in. Like you could be doing other things, but you're doing this obviously because it's your love, it's your passion. What advice, if you wanted, if you could give to an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur that you know maybe dealing with or facing hardships at this time. What advice would you bestow upon them? Wow. Um, I, and I would, I would say, you know, have the strength in your idea and um, also, and it's a very, it's kind of a lonely journey as an entrepreneur, um, to be honest with you, because, you know, when other people are hanging, you know, it's midnight and you're sitting in the garage, you know, packing things up or, um, you know, just just trying to think of how to solve a problem. Um, so I, I would say one is to kind of stay true to your conviction um, and and ground yourself in reality, you know, because sometimes it is a stupid idea or it's not going to work that way or the universe is not, it's not ready for you. So, you know, kind of temper that, um, you know, passion with reality and then, you know, support yourself with, you um, community of people who get it you know so you know people like you who have been so amazing since ah, the beginning ah, you know early early on yeah. and you know never asked for anything um you know i i really you know oh oh you and you know other people like you for you know lifting my spirit along the way um being able to you know talk and and share the struggles or um you know 
because sometimes you feel like, oh, other people are in the category or other people are your competitors. But, you know, it's really not because, you know, we're, we're all if we grow the community together, then everybody wins. So, so surrounding yourself with people who are like minded and can lift you up or you can you know, lend a hand to you. That's been tremendous. Yeah, I, I, I like that theory of my personal philosophy is that the pie is big enough that we can all eat well from. You know what I mean? Like, it is, mm-hmm. There's not necessarily a need to put your elbows out and <laughs> block yeah. other people from the plate. If we do it right, if we do it right, the community grows, as you said, and if the community grows, the needs of the community grow. So therefore, we all serve a purpose. We can all get down with the get down. Absolutely. That's just how I feel about the situation. Um, do you have any shout outs and thank yous? I know you do. Any shout outs and thank yous you want to put out there? Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. I'm trying to think of where to start. Um, you know, so <laughs> shout out to my friends and family for dealing with me and, you know, <laughs> loving me through <laughs> the good times and the bad, yeah, yeah. Uh, my temper tantrums and my frustrations and, you know, the packing parties. Um, so, you know, I gotta, I gotta give some love, you know, at home. Um, and, and to, you know, people, honestly, um, who are, you know, making it happen. So, you know, just, uh, fellow moto entrepreneurs, we call ourselves, uh, woman, 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 entrepreneurs. Wait, what, 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 say that again? (laughs) Womo, womo, entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. Yeah. Womo, entrepreneurs. All right. New hashtag. hashtag. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, people like uh, Aliki Karayan, who's in V&M sport gear, you know, Shalina for what she's doing and supporting women and um, Aaron Hunter Sills, who's, you know, she's amazing, you know, world Guinness record holder, um, just, uh, an icon, but the nicest person ever, you know, who I met at girls moto camp and has been, you know, crazy supportive, um, you know, to, you know, Marilyn, you who does moto jackets and, you know, we, we help each other out. We lift each other up. Um, and of, of course, black Moses, you're, you're my, you're my, uh, inspiration could, you know, because where, you know, where you've come from, what you've done, you know, have you, have you evolved, how you support other people along the way. It's just amazing. So, um, yeah. I, I want to say, I appreciate you appreciating me, appreciating you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of appreciation going down. That's a good thing. Um, listen, listen, before, before, before we bring this wonderful conversation to a close, you've listened to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for the Super Bowl section. Are you ready for the Super Bowl question? Ready as I'll ever be. Okay. All right. Now, listen, we basically, I typically, for those listening, and hopefully this isn't your first time listening to Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. Um, the Super Bowl section is when I will ask two, sometimes three, sometimes four questions that are designed for rapid fire delivery. And it's kind of a first thing that pops into your head. Sometimes I might ask for further explanation and sometimes what is understood need not be explained any further. So with that being said, question number one, Tupac or Biggie? Okay, so now I'm kind of conflicted because, you know, I'm East Coast, West Coast. That's exactly why. (laughs) But you know what, though? This is is typically the the first question because I have have an internal debate going, an internal intergalactic debate. And on a future episode, I will explore the results of this question. But pretty much everybody gets that first question. So you knew that was coming. And that's a great I, one. That's a great one for you because you were born in New York, and yeah. now you're on the West Side. So, Tupac or Biggie? Ah, okay. Well, I'm gonna have to go with Biggie, but not for, not that I don't appreciate you know Tupac. He's a poet. He's a lyricist. He's so raw. He's like the grandfather. You know that's you know spurred all this inspiration around NMM and Fifty Cent, but. 
Biggie's, you know, he's East Coast and um, his storytelling is amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I dig his groove. I can, so. I, that's a, that's a, that is a respectable, respectable answer. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. <laughs> Who has the best pizza? New York or Northern California? Oh, hands down, hands down, New York. I've only found one place in San Francisco that rivals it. it comes close, uh, Za, um, and that's because they're from New York. So mm. New York, no question. Okay, okay. Moving on to the last and final question of the Super Bowl section. If you could take a ride with anyone alive, no longer with us, mythological, biblical, fictional, uh, who would you ride with? Where would you ride? And what would you be riding? Well, you know, I got to go with my inspiration now. (laughs) So I'm going to have to say Lauren Hutton. um, And I would say dirt bikes in the Arizona desert where she was a, Riding when she was uh, on movie sets and and going around with stuntmen on uh, movie sets, so it'd be a little historical Hollywood tour. That would be badass. That would be badass. <laughs> that would, that's hey, you you survived Super Bowl with all, with great answers with great answers. So thank you, and that, I right. want to say thank you, uh, not, not just for being on the show. But I really do what I said earlier. I really do appreciate your your faith in yourself because I think we live in a world right now where people are either they don't have enough confidence in themselves to do the next great thing, or we have some people who are overly confident in themselves <laughs> and they're not doing anything. So <laughs> when I have the opportunity to be in the virtual company of or the physical company of or just have people in my network, in my universal network, people that have found a balance and that are striving to do great things and to contribute to our universe. You know, it's a blessing for me. So I want to say thank you for you being you and you doing what you do. You dig? Black Moses appreciates you. Thank you so much. I mean, you've made my day, my year, you know, my life, because sometimes you're out there doing what you do and you don't, you're like, sometimes you're thinking, why am I doing this again? But, you know, it's one foot in front of the other every day. And, you know, thank goodness for people like you to like help shine some light on on goodness. Well, listen, thank you. Where can the listeners, where can my listeners find you on social media? Please give the website and and where, where can we get a hold of you and, and, and find you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Run it down. Oh, oh for sure. So the handle is um, Moto Chic Gear. So it's M-O-T-O-C-H-I-C-G-E-A-R. And that's the same handle on Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. And um, the website is also um, motorsheetgear.com. So love to um, have your listeners follow our journey and um, stay tuned for what's coming next. Deborah, thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Black Moses. (laughs) Moses Black. (laughs) Get them all in there. Tactical Black, nuclear Black. Tactical. Listen, I appreciate you. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for spending your, this little bit of time with us. I, I really appreciate you. Right on. I loved it. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. That's our show for this week. Please, please follow the show on Instagram at Life in the Fast Lane Official, on Twitter at L I T F L Official, and on Facebook, you can find us at Life in the Fast Lane Podcast. Please, as always, Hit that like, hit that share, and hit that subscribe button. We'll be right back here next Friday with an all-new episode of Life in the Fast Lane. Hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. I'm gone! This is a Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill Quick Fix on Radio Influence. In Philadelphia, the uh, district attorney there, Larry Kirsner. 
Uh, so he was on HBO recently and he talked about implementing a policy in Philadelphia where drug users would drug possession, if you will, would uh, they would not be arrested, but more diverted to a diversion program, a drug program instead of being arrested and having a criminal record. Now, someone asked, was this a political move? I would say yes, but I'll get to that in a minute. But here's what I will say about this policy. Uh, In theory, you know, if you go back to the 90s and the Clinton administration, you know, and their tough on crime laws that led to mass incarcerations of prisons uh, and most of those people that are still in prison 20 something years later because of simple drug possession uh, violations uh, is that something I agree with? Absolutely not, because that should be reserved for people who rape, who kill, who sexually assault children, things of that nature. Should you be in jail for life for that stuff? Absolutely. Uh, but should you be in, in prison for 30 years for uh, simple possession of marijuana or cocaine? Absolutely not. But to say that all right, we're not going to arrest you. We're not going to send you to jail. We're just going to let you go to this drug rehab, this diversion program. To me, that's not the answer. And here's why I say I don't think it's the answer. The problem is the when you give someone who has a problem, an addiction, the freedom to not be controlled, guess what? They're going to go to what controls them, the narcotic, the crack cocaine, the heroin, the meth. Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.